I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, good day, everyone. Welcome along to the Short Baller Rugby Pass podcast. Scotty Mills and producer Ellis with you today. Uh, looking back on the Test Match weekend and looking ahead too to next weekend's clashes, uh, especially with a focus on the Australian Island Series, the South African England Series, and uh, the All Blacks taking on France. Millsy, first of all, you were there at Eden Park on Saturday night. So uh, let's get a soft opener out of the way. Did that yellow card completely ruin that Test Match for you? Oh, <laughs> I don't think it completely ruined it, but it went a long way into sort of establishing the All Blacks, um, I suppose, run-on effect, really, to be totally honest. It was, yeah, it did have a massive consequence for the for the French team. They flew the white flag yeah. after that. Yeah, they came out strong, didn't they? And that's the thing, like, um, you know, going into the break, they, they sort of howled out the All Blacks, and then once that happened, it was just, you just seen the emotion. <laughs> the, I mean, the emotional side of them just sort of, they didn't want to be there anymore, and then once that happened, it was, see you later. Now, I know you've got to have a little bit of resolve about you in Test Match Rugby, and things don't often go your way, and, and the All Blacks have been yellow carded before, and every international team suffers a yellow card once in a while, but it's how you respond to that. Mm. The, the fact is, though, I think the, the French saw that as... Uh, such a horseshit yellow card <laughs> that it completely threw them. It put them on the back foot. Yeah. We, we'll get through um, some of the arguments that have arisen after that card. I mean, first of all, I don't think it should have been a card myself, uh, at least to check upstairs. And given what happened later in the game, if that didn't reach the card threshold, then that certainly didn't reach the card threshold. I know there's been a lot of chat, and uh, I know there's been a lot of discussion about leniency on the All Blacks, whether the referee was out of his depth in front of that home crowd. And it's a pretty hostile home crowd, the New Zealand home crowd, and largely because there's no away fans in an All Black home <laughs> test ever. Uh, and a pocket full of Frenchmen is not an away crowd. Uh, that's a pocket full of very brave souls. So here's the thing that comes out today, though. World Rugby have issued a warning. I know. A I know. warning. I, d- I don't even know why you would do that. It, it's, it's toothless. It's obviously a response to criticism instead of just following due process. And Ofatungofasi, there is no punishment. And also, you've got the wrong guy. Ofatunga Fasi, no doubt, made contact with uh, Russell's head. Yeah. But he's set. He's ready to make a tackle. The guy falls into that. It's it's the same game tackle that no one is talking about. And I, I find it astonishing. And I, I talked on radio about this today. It's not about being patriotic here. Patriotic is a veil for objectivity. Sam Kane's shot on Remy Grossel 
reached the threshold mm. that should have at least been checked. Mm. And I think can can we agree on that point at least? Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. That's why I was just wondering why uh, Offa was getting all the heat, you know, because, yeah. I mean, I don't think, he, can he go any, perhaps he could go a little bit lower, but he was, you know, uh, Gosso was already falling down. It was the fact, I think it was that swinging motion that sort of copped, um, you know, from, from Sam Kane that sort of, you know, copped uh, Gosso. And so uh, you're right, but I just don't understand why you'd come out now and say, well, there's a warning. Okay, well, what's the repercussion of that warning? That's right. Does what he, does it do? Does it, what, is he, he's not allowed his biscuits or he's not allowed, <laughs> what? I mean, is, or is it the fact next time he's in front of something, he's, I mean, it was even interesting to, for, for them to come out and say it, it was almost bordering on a, a red card offence. Well, it why, is or it the, isn't, right? I know. It why, is or it isn't, though. I, I mean, so I don't get it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. So this is, I mean, this is such a world rugby playbook. Yes, there's some criticism in the press in the Northern Hemisphere largely, obviously. Uh, okay, we must be seen to be doing something, so let's do the most ineffective thing we can possibly do, which QED illustrates that we bow before public pressure. <laughs> it, it, it's so daft. And then all of a sudden, Offer's just sitting there. He must be sitting there going, what? What? Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. what? What? And everyone's saying that, and now you set the same news cycle over again. Yeah. So now we're going to have even more stories about the inability of the judiciary to act on this issue. Look, I, I, quite angry. I mean, a guy got hurt, and that's really sad. Yeah. And and no one wants to see that. And he got hurt badly. And I am aware that this is a contact sport that you cannot mitigate for every head knock in the game, and you can't. Mm. And I've made that point very clear. But I am going off what we are being told weekly, if not daily, about tackle height, about shots around the head, about the head being sacrosanct, and then about an official team on the night who failed to act and an organisation who appointed those officials who have signally failed to act as well. Now, that is a bad look for the game. Yeah, I mean, it is. When you officiate something like that, I mean, I'll go back to the yellow card. Okay, he was quick to get into that pocket. And um, I just wonder whether that was sort of... I'd love to see him at a bar. Oh, I, I think he'd I mean, be that quick. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know whether it would be, would he? The bloody referees. I don't know. I don't know the bloke, but I hope but, he is. But the thing is, you know, haven't we in the past had, you know, the, the TMO in the yes. air saying maybe you should review this? Yes. So was it the fact that he went to his, you know, pocket so fast that he didn't have time? Or are they, are they saying now, you know, there's a time limit to be able to, you know, because there's so many things that actually go back and call. You remember the Hurricanes had a big... Um, thing about it where you know they're going back and I can't remember who it was a TMO and calling and things like that. so that's right isn't that a place there and then to say well you should really have a look at it because it probably doesn't warrant a yellow card he didn't give George Ayub a chance yeah he he went does. straight and that's the problem I mean George may well have said mate it's not a yellow card <laughs> had he gone upstairs and got George I need you to check that tackle but you know he, he blew the whistle and you know, I said after the game in the post-match show that I don't want to throw him under the bus because he was really good for a first yep. test. Yep. But the unfortunate thing about it is that blotted the copybook for me. And you can't get away from the fact he made a significant decision in the game which turned the tide. And I tire of this argument, which is post-rationalisation. The All Blacks would have won anyway. Mm. Really. Maybe they would have, but no one can state that as a genuine fact. All we know is at the time it was 11 points each. And Millsy, I don't want to harp on about it, but you've been in that situation before where you think, yeah, we're starting to get on top of these guys, but all of a sudden their passion increases. The mistake rate goes up, the pressure goes on, and you don't get across the line. That has happened throughout history against this French side. Yeah, well, it's always a momentum swinger. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. 
the All Blacks came out and they played superbly they did. well. Um, but that particular moment sort of just gave um, gave them a bit of a, a, a sniff. And in a Test match rugby, that's all you need. Yes, the, the French played their part because they sort of you know threw up the white flag and um, you know used that as an excuse um, to say, well, okay, we've we've um, you know that's that's enough passion now, and we'll see what happens. And there was some tries that the All Blacks scored, which. Um, you know, and particularly the one where I think uh, Ioani scored when they sort of mini drove and then came back blind. Now that was just a, a yep. ridiculous read, you know. And so, but um, certainly it sort of it, it it gave the All Blacks that that extra bit of temp- tempo they were looking for because they didn't get it from the ref. The ref wouldn't give them the mark. They wouldn't, you know, wanted to slow things down every time they got into the French uh, twenty-two. He gave the French some penalties, so you know, gave the uh, the All Blacks the tempo that they were after. We've got Ellie Williams on the phone, Millsy. Um, yeah, I know. Who? He's, he's answered the phone. Are you there, big fella? I am, lads. How are we? Oh, 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 oh Here he is. Hey. Here he is. You, you sound like, are you getting changed in a telephone booth? Uh, it's closed. I'm actually driving in a motor vehicle because uh, I've got a nine-to-five job. What's he doing with himself? You don't, you don't have a nine-to-five job. Don't lie to us. And I, I hope this is hands-free. It is definitely hands-free, lads. Hey, um, I tell you on a on a sort of funnier note, I caught up with a guy by the name of Andrew Hall just before, and guess what he was doing? Having he a beer. Having a beer at lunch. Having <laughs> yeah. a beer at lunch. Oh. <laughs> that does not come as a surprise to anyone listening to this pod. Hey, uh, Wams, great to have you with us, mate. Uh, we had a brief chat this morning about that Test match, but uh, the All Blacks very good in the close. What did you make of the game overall, mate? Oh, I thought. I mean, if we look at it. And that classic cliche of two halves. I mean, the first half was pretty classic. I mean, the French really tried things. Uh, the All Blacks probably weren't as cohesive as they would have liked to have been. And then we sort of had a scenario in the second half where we got a yellow card. Was it fair? No way it was fair. Um, and then the, I think the French sort of, they, oh, here we go again. This is inevitable and this is what, mm. what we're going to come up with against the All Blacks. And they sort of they almost lost spirit rather than lost the ability or the will to play. That was the concerning thing for me. Yeah, I think you're right about that spirit element. So you could see the heads just drop, and um, I don't think even uh, someone like Matsu Bastarod could uh, turn the tide there. By that stage, uh, well, sooner soon Maxime Madar was getting run over by Ngani Laomapi and Damien McKenzie was cutting them in half. But what, what you've been up in France, uh, Wams. We know that you know uh, a lot of these guys. You've certainly um, played against some, but uh, socialised with others. So what, what do they do from here? Oh, I mean, you just got to – they're a good bunch of lads. And, I mean, look, we know the French The French have tagged with a sort of a tag that potentially they are they get a bit – they beat themselves up a bit emotionally. They they take it on the – take it to heart a bit too much. And I think that, that is one of the big challenges that you've got. They've got to take something out of that game. That first half was fantastic. They were playing. They were challenging. Um, they were leading – and to lead at half-time is, is no mean feat. So, to me, I think it would be one of those elements, look, we had a bad 40 minutes, let's drop it. We're on tour. We're here for a reason. This is a challenge, this is a series. And, hey, look, we know we can actually do this because in the first half, we were winning. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the first half, their set phase, they were winning. Um Lineouts were probably not as messy and executed as well as they'd liked. I think they probably shuffled the ball in the backs a little bit too much, but Mills will know better there. And 
rather than using sort of Buster's strengths and running direct because, I mean, I've played with Buster for three or four years and if you give him a clear target and a clear role, he is lethal. He's one of the best in the world at running direct and creating go ball for a team mm. either in a forward position or a back position. So I'm hoping they don't lose too much heart because that, that was there's a lot of opportunities for them. Once, um, speaking of a, well, I suppose, um, combination, though, what did you make of Whitelock and, um, and Barrett's performance? I thought it was great. I mean, um, you lose a lot when you when you pull a name like Retallick out, but they, they sort of didn't seem to. Um, physicality was there, I think. Um, I think Barrett really gets stuck in. He's one of those guys that loves the confrontation uh, along with the huge workload. So, and we all know Sam and uh, Whitelock and his his workload. He just never sort of gives up. So, I thought the captaincy was is a good thing for Sam. Um, he does love the pressure and he loves does love the responsibility of looking after men um, and sort of leading by example. So, I don't think they lost a lot, but um, I think Barrett, you know, has still got a few more yards to go to to get to a, a retaliate type of player. Mm. Wams, you've had your shoulder um, up some formidable backsides in your career, but um, <laughs> let, let's have a little discussion about uh, Carl Tuanuku Afe. Imagine coming on for your first test match out of the blue, a bolter, and uh, doing that in your first scrum. You would have been pumped up like a bouncy castle if that had been your front row. Jeez, that was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> I was so jumping good. up and down like a goose in the, uh, <laughs> at the stadium there. I was thinking, how good is this? I mean, first we saw a bit of emotion from the young kid. Mm. We all sort of tried to look into his eyes, but that big black hairy moustache was just staring at us saying, <laughs> you're going to see this a lot more. And then when he gets on, I mean, she, well, the beauty of it was he got on with, what, another 37 minutes to go? Yep. Yeah. So he, he didn't have to go and be a clown and make a, a name for himself in three or three to seven minutes. He got a decent spell and he got on in that scrum and he just destroyed them. Um, so yeah, he would have, he would have definitely enjoyed that first beer, I reckon. <laughs> well, um, you've you spoken about the French. Okay. What, where do they go, go to from here? I mean, you've, you've been there. What's the, mean, what's the mentality after such a loss like this? Cause you know, that Shag and Co, they're going to analyse the crap out of that first game. So is it a case of them coming out strong again and bringing that sort of emotion? Because emotion's just not going to, going to cut it. They did it in that first 40, but how do, you, how do they make sure they come out and actually challenge the All Blacks in the second test? Well, the first thing is, Mills, is, is what sort of attitude did they go into the shed with after the game? Did they think, oh, you know, we lost that, um, we didn't play well, or... There's something in this, boys. We had a really bad second half and, you know, it didn't go away. Or do they say, we were close to this. We're over in New Zealand, a great place to tour. You've got another two cracks at the All Blacks and we've proved that we can beat them in a first half. So my view is, how did they go into that change room? Did they go in thinking, oh, no, here we go again? Or did they think, oh, it's stuffed up. Let's get excited. Let's enjoy the week. And start cracking on from there. The, the thing is, it was with the, with the French lads, is if they look at it from an excitement and a challenge point of view, then they go really good. But if they look at it something like a burden, where, you know, our sort of philosophy in the All Blacks was pressure was a privilege given to those that, that wanted to accept it. 
Well, they don't look at it like that. They don't want the pressure on them. They want the excitement. They want the energy, and they want the um, the emotional. Uh, what do you call it? The emotional truck, rather than the other one where where the pressure on them. So I'm hoping they look at it and say, another week in Auckland. We're starting in Auckland. Another week in Auckland. Um, a few more restaurants we can try. Have a bit of fun. Let's get out and enjoy the um, the uh, what Auckland City has to offer. Let's go down to Wellington and um, and and show the the rugby public of New Zealand that we're we're not going to chuck it in. And we're really going to get stuck in. And I think I think the latter is what they'll do because Buster Rowe's quite a relaxed sort of a character, mm. along with the uh, the coaching staff are relaxed characters. But you know they can turn it on. Well, it's always a great pleasure chatting to you, mate. And I just want to congratulate you on a personal level of having left Andrew Hoare on his own with his beer. That is very unusual for you to up stumps when that man's in town. So um, this is points for you today, Ali Williams. Points for you. Well, it's not really because I'm still waiting on that beer with you. Uh, I'm just going to check your phone number. Did you ring Wams or has he rang you? No, I've, I've got a phone got a text not, here. Well, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for this beer from Wams, but I'm still having it was a neutral discussion. It was a neutral discussion from two people that rang each other. Um, <laughs> the problem that I've got with you, Millsy, is that it's all one way, and I'm, I'm just I'm getting nothing back, my friend. So that beer would be flowing. Remember, Ibble Dibble? We can always have a beer together, mate. You know that. Yeah, good on you, boy. Ali Williams, thanks, mate. Cheers for joining us today, buddy. Cheers, lads. <laughs> Ali Williams, former All Black Lock. Uh, I think he makes some really salient points yeah. about the French team. And, you know, because Ali has been involved in, in French rugby and uh, literally, of course, with Russing, and he knows those guys. And because of his reputation, I know he's formed some great friendships over in French rugby. I, I hope he's absolutely right about what the French do this weekend. I, I don't think they had the variation in their game. Nah. And, and you, you take all the emotion out of it. Um, you've, you've still got to go out there and execute. And one thing I noticed about the All Blacks in this game, their attack structure, which has largely been over the last couple of years, three-man pods, yeah. middle runner taking it up, you've got the option, the inside tip, the outside tip, and the ball out the back. They have greatly increased the variation now uh, and from which they're attacking from. Two-man pods, forwards running, outside backs running off the shoulder instead of prop forwards or locks. So you've got Geordie Barrett and Damien McKenzie I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. He both profiting off yeah. that pod running, yeah. and even in that in the sort of latest stage of the second half, the pod became decoy only, just yeah. a front running pod. But by that stage, the French didn't know whether it was two men coming at them, one man, com- man coming at them, three men coming at them. And you watched uh, when uh, Mackenzie went through and put Laomapi away, or gave Laomapi the chance to put himself away. The French just stayed. 
There was a three-man pod coming straight at them, and they could not move. Couldn't. And they were never in the game. But they'd done so much throughout that test match to bamboozle with variation that suddenly the French inside defenders and even their middle midfield defenders just couldn't figure it out anymore. That I thought that was the real talking point about the All Blacks' quality in that test, the way they brought variation to their attack. Yeah, and that was huge. I, I think for me, watching um, you know before the game, I, you know I knew the All Blacks would win. You know I, that was the feeling I had, but I wanted to see what variation that they were talking about in terms of their attacking structure and things like that. Now earlier on, it didn't quite work for them, but I could see what they well try and see what they were trying to mm. achieve. So they were hitting really close, trying to to push the forwards, you know, defensive forwards, um, you know, tight into the rucks, and then they were just hitting off. Um, of Barrett out wider, almost to entice her back in to actually Correct. take those take take a, um and you know, you know when they talk about mismatches and they say it's, yep. you know mismatches when a back is up against a forward well they were trying to get a mismatch where a forward with the ball in hand was trying to entice her back and then that's when they broke through and you know and it got a little offload and it was yep. just impressive to and, see and running the game off Barrett was really intriguing yep. for me off off Bowden Barrett because he knew he had Geordie Barrett there as well and and they ran the game together really uh, Aaron Smith's passing game of course allows that to happen but there was one attack in particular where you had your standard three-man pod. Barrett throws the pass wide to Luke Whitelock coming off a straight angle back inside. He is the third runner in the pod. Yeah. Rather than go to the middle guy, yeah. they go straight to the third. What that does and in that occasion yeah. it held Ballou in yeah. and he had nowhere to go. The next move, Crotty breaks through and, and but for the Aaron Smith um, uh, uh, Shepherd, Shep- Shepherd yeah. that would have been a try. Yeah. But it was masterfully done and the way they kept doing that throughout the game uh, and watching with Wyatt Crockett, we were talking about that. I mean, here's a guy who's only just retired so he knows these variations when he sees them yeah. and, and he was astounded that they were able to put those together after short, such a short space of time. We, we look ahead to this weekend in Wellington. Um, it's going to be cold. It's probably going to be wet. It's probably going to be windy. Hey! Is, you know it, Millsy. Is this going to play into the All Black hands or does this play into the French hands? Because it was a beautiful night at Eden Park oh, on yeah. Saturday night. really was. Yeah, it was. It was a fantastic. I'd like to see, I mean, if it is, um, I haven't looked at the forecast, and I'd like to see the variation in their kicking game, the All Blacks, because they went particularly to the to Barrett, similar to what the um, Hurricanes have done, where they've hit the middle pot and then sort of went contestable kicks on, on the winger, almost to isolate them. So mm. if it is a little bit wet and... Um, there was a fair bit of that in the first test. Yeah, yeah, and so and, and and so if it is, you know, do they go a little bit longer? You know, we've been seeing a bit of um, uh, Bowden's left foot as well, and so it's how they vary their exit plan, um, you know, accordingly based on the based on the weather conditions. We've got to look across uh, the ditch in Australia. I thought that was a massive win for the Wallabies on Saturday night in Brisbane. Um, the Irish come down. I know that there'd be some tired bodies after the last month and what Ireland achieved, Six Nations, and then Leinster through the European Cup and the Pro Twelve, but. Uh, that was a nuggety, gritty, hard-working Australian performance out there. And, and I don't think we should look at that with anything else but total praise. They ground oh. out that victory against the second-best team in the world. An amazing turnaround for Australian rugby. I think we saw signs there that their combinations are starting to fire. I definitely see signs. And, and when you see the personnel that's that's in there, and particularly 8, 9, 10 and 12, when they're starting to, to click and they've got – very good experience. I mean, even I mean, Timu's there, but then you bring someone like Samu off the bench, or even he starts. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid uh, platform. And then Bill's coming into some really nice form, mm. and so you know, perhaps they need to. I mean, I think check a band headphones, didn't he? In the um, yeah, the no, pre-match? Cindy Cindy Lauper was not available to win that test for the Wallabies. He's gone right back to the old school. I think eh? he, he banned Cindy Lauper. Really, he didn't ban. Did he ban headphones, or did he just oh, was ban eighties pop icons? Oh, well, shit. that's the that's the example he gave. 
Oh, okay. Well, and, and the thing is, too, I mean, going back to the rugby, like... Oh, what are you doing with your almost mic? Almost lost the mic there. Like, it was almost like... um, They should have won by more because that try they got disallowed mm. was just ridiculous. And so to to grind out a win like, like they did, Pocock um, um, scoring... I mean, that's going to be massive for them um, leading into to the championship. Like, well, even the second test, that's going to be yeah. huge. Well, I think, too, what, what's so important for Australian rugby is, I mean, their fans would have just bowed their heads if they hadn't got that victory. No, no. I mean, it's an opening test at home against a really good side where you've had a great and competitive relationship with over a long period of time. They had a good record against Ireland in recent years as well, certainly at home. But I think it just sets it up for the fans now. There's yeah. some belief back there. Uh, look, Falau is playing great footy. Beal is playing great footy. Haylett Petty has shown that he belongs yeah, at yeah. that level. Yeah. Um, and they've got uh, some young and exciting front rows and hookers in particular. And David Pocock. Is, is Pocock the most potent over-the-ball forward in world rugby at the moment? I mean, forget everything else about what forwards are expected to do, but just in there, over the yeah. ball, is there anyone better? No, I don't think there is. I, I mean, and there's no disrespect to the like Sam Kane in that, but this guy is an absolute freak when he gets over the ball. You know, he's really hard to move, and the intensity that he brought, um, you know, to that Ford pack was just immense. So uh, it's hard not to go past Pocock as being the best in the world over the ball at the moment. Johnny Sexton's got to start, doesn't he? Has he? To. No, no, no offense to Carberry, but but Sexton's got to be there from day one, sitting out, plotting out the plan. He's got, he's that guy. Well, he is, and um, you know he's their go-to man over the, the last few years or so. He's instrumental. Obviously, he's had a pretty high workload, and they would have um, perhaps wanted to rest him a little bit, but. He'll he'll start, you know. He'll start this week, and he'll bring a different sort of, uh, you know, I suppose oomph to the uh, to the Irish attack. It's a great loose forward trio that the Irish have got as well. And you think about CJ Stan and Pete yeah. Marnie and, and those sorts of guys. But I mean, is this an Ireland side now that you think could find themselves on the back end of an zero and three, or do they come back in this test? Are they the sort of because I know Joe Schmidt, very clever man, strategically very good, tactically very sound. They are an accurate rugby team. Mm. They perhaps didn't show that on Saturday night. I mean, is there a turnaround in the cards here? Wow, gee, it's it's hard to know. That the the big thing is this has given you know the the, the Wallabies um, some belief, massive belief to be able to do that, and so they'll go into this next test, um, you know, with a bit of a spring in this this step. A few things, you know, that all of a sudden um, guys will sort of come out and express themselves a little bit more. The Irish, on the other hand, you know, this is an opportunity for them to come out and, and go well. Yes, it has been a long season. A lot of us have played in that Leinster team. It's been, you know, um, now we're still playing Test footy. We've, we've lost the first test, so it's it's more for for me, my point of view. It's more mentally than anything else. They've got the, the capabilities of going out there and and a, and a coach that knows, um, you know, how to how to how to you know structurally um, beat a team. It's, it's more mental now at this stage of the year. It's not helping when every second Instagram photo is uh, someone out of European rugby in Ibiza or EOS oh, or Santorini. It's no. <laughs> killing me, actually. I see that, eh? I'm like, it's man, I know. Oh, gee. Jared Huyata in uh, EOS. I, I was a chef for three months on EOS. Oh, serious? Oh, yeah, I'm still feeling the effects. <laughs> that place gets a hold of a man. <laughs> place just... gets a hold of a woman as well. By the way, Swedes, the Swedish on Greek islands. Man, that is, they are, they are unique people. No. There's what, three what, things they like. What? Drinking, sun. Oh, yeah. And the other thing. Yeah. Eating. Mainly drinking and sun. And <laughs> okay. I wouldn't know, mate. What, what was your specialty when you were a chef over there? A specialty? Yeah. 
I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I was drunk every day. I don't even know what, what? I served, I don't know what I served up. My my favourite bit though was uh, I worked with a five foot two Aberdonian chef called Grimsey. Uh, he was our head chef, and uh, we used to like our nest frappes in the morning while sitting out there. But uh, we also enjoyed tipping the chip oil out just on the other side of the road, and of course a lot of marble and Greek uh, roads. <laughs> yeah. And then people who sped by on scooters would always slip because the oil would leach oh. across the road. So we would get a grandstand seat before service, watching a whole lot of terrible tourists uh, stack their scooters right in front of us. Grimsey. 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 Yeah, Grimsey. Still a head chef in Aberdeen, Grimsey. What a right. wonderful time. Wow. Anyway, that's an aside. Um, <laughs> let's get over to South Africa. <laughs> that was a good time. Let's get over to South Africa. Uh, what a comeback. Wow. Is it? What a test match. Oh, that, that's awesome. an amazing comeback. What, 24-3 down? Yeah. And uh, Sio Kalisi just uh, puts on the old... Calm it on down, boys. Let's get back into it. Argy Snayman was insane. Vili LaRue was insane. And England capitulated. Uh, is that their sixth straight uh, defeat under Eddie Jones or fourth straight defeat? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Now the drums are beating for Eddie Jones. People tried to warn the press in England about this bloke. And now they're paying for his blood. If he does not win this series, where does Eddie Jones sit with the RFU and with the English rugby fan? Gee. What you? I mean, you tell me. Here's, here's a guy who's, mate, I'm in charge, I'm in control, don't worry about a champ, I've got it. Well, at the moment, it doesn't seem that way. You ain't got – no, there's a lot of heat on him at the moment. It's, it's almost like – I don't know what it is, but I kind of – you know, all the, the stories that are that are coming out now, it's almost like he's diverting everything to him, you know, having an, a, a sort of an argument with the fan and things. Like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the stuff that happened on the field. We'll just, we'll just talk about this other sort of That's, incident. That is 100% what that is. <laughs> it is smoke and mirrors. Look over here. Look over here. Nothing to see in the game. Yeah. Look over here. Look over here. I had a fight with a Dutchman about Pinotage. Beat it, mate. <laughs> Chris Wiley once beat up a fan on the way. Hey. Yeah, because the coaches used to sit uh, on the stands. I know there was a round for the Shield game. And he got so sick of some fan in front of him through the first half who was just churning him out. So on his way to the stands, he turned around, clobbered the bloke, and then went and gave the but team to You him. would not want to mess with Grizz Wiley. No. <laughs> Why would you even? Well, no, you would not mess with Grizz. Eddie Jones uh, wants to make this about all the side issues rather than the fact that you blew a 24-3 lead. Now, there's two ways to look at it, as we did when the Waratahs came to the Crusaders yep. and blew a 29-point lead. Mm-hmm. You can look at it and say, we're capable, and uh, we just let it slip. Yep. Or you can say, jeepers, um, how many points do we need to score? Then the fear sets in, and then you've got massive human <laughs> beings running at you next week in Bloemfontein. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And just as the Irishman, long season for those English players as well. Yeah, and, and not very successful season either. They've been, you know, different different type of pressure, you know, the, the pressure of um, the public and the scrutiny they've been under because of the, the Six Nations and whatnot. And so I've seen enough there to say that they can they can back up and win the, the second test. I mean, certainly that first, you know, 15 or so minutes, yes, there's a few sort of, um, well, defensive errors from the South Africans and basic defensive errors, but to get themselves, and they, were, they played quite an expansive game, um, did, did, did the English, and, you know, Johnny May in that score, scoring, man, he's got some pace. Yeah, um, and and so if they can if they can continue that, they just looked a bit tired too. Like it, it was almost like the obviously when you're tackling a bit more and the the momentum had swung towards the South Africans, they looked like they're they're a wee bit um, they, were, they were fatigued a little bit. And so perhaps you know they need to look at it, um, you know the way they actually play the game and, and perhaps not start so sort of um, you know wide and and and, and 
an expansive sort of game. Well, it's, it's tough at altitude, and, and, you know, we always knew it would be a tough assignment for them. That's why they haven't won there for a very long time. Altitude's tough. You've played at Ellis oh. Park. You know what it's like. You're coming off a long season. And then, then it becomes about balance. Yeah. Where the it's All Blacks balance. were so good in that game against the French was that they controlled position, they controlled territory. So ultimately, they trusted their defence to get the job done, very high under risk of them. Whereas against South Africa at Ellis Park, that balance becomes very difficult. Do I take the ball up, hit up after hit up, and drain myself yeah. for when I have to get on transition, or do I let South Africa attack and, and back us just to make tackles? And you know, finding that balance, I think, is what so many visiting teams find so difficult about being in South Africa. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and the thing is, you know, if you don't quite get it right, let's just say the English sort of went into, you know, all of a sudden got the 24-3 lead. Mm. They've got a side now that's looking to attack the whole time. If you go conservative and kick, it could almost backfire on you. So finding that balance, and this is obviously a way different scenario. It's like the same as the 2009 final with the Chiefs. We try to run every um, every single ball. But within the first 20 minutes against the Bulls, you know, obviously we got annihilated that night. We were, I mean, we got up nice and early and we thought we'd continue to play an expansive style and run everything, but we were drained. Mm. And then, and so that's probably a key picture as to how not to get the balance, you know, right. And so that's what the, the English have to now go back and say, well, yes, we can score points, okay, but we still have to bring a balance into our kicking game and make sure that when we kick, we kick right out and into the stand so they, they, they don't allow the, um, the South Africans to, to, to go quickly. Is the Wales win over Argentina the most overlooked result of the oh, weekend? Yeah, I mean... It's still they're just not quite part of the family yet, are they, Argentina? Oh, yeah. I mean, we all focus on South Africa, Australia and uh, New Zealand, but Argentina, they're supposed to be part of us, the Sanzar nations together. But it, that game just kind of happened. Well, I mean, considering what... What the Jaguars have done in Super Rugby, I mean, six six straight wins, yeah, and then that, it was a poor performance from it there. It was shocking. This, I mean, was, this was supposed to be right. You get into Super Rugby, get together, that just goes right into international footy, and you and you get pasted. Yeah, I mean, at home it is, and like I didn't ex- I didn't expect that at all. I I, I I thought that they might actually come out and you know, I'm saying that the Welsh did play well. Hagley Parks was sensational. Um, and so, but yeah, it's disappointing that they've sort of gone down to the Welsh because we would have had a whole, you know. The clean sweep, Mills. Clean sweep. You're after the clean sweep. I was. What's going to happen this weekend, Mills? Pick me three winners and margins uh, out of the, the three big tests. Uh, so they've got England, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, France. Okay. Let's go, well, let's go across the ditch and I'll, I'll save the All Blacks to last. I, I, think, I think the Wallabies can do this. I think they'll, they'll, they'll come away and they'll win... By ten, yeah, yep. I think the Wallabies will win by ten. Um, South Africa. Are you recording this, producer Ellis? You are, aren't you? You're making notes. South Africa, England. The English. I don't think got a chance in Bloom. <laughs> no Englishman ever has had a chance in Bloemfontein. Oh, yeah, and I mean that in the wider context of things. No chance in Bloom. And I and. Do we look at the we look at the Welsh Argentinian game? No, I want you to look at the New Zealand. No, I don't. I'm don't know, worry about that. I, I can't oh, yeah, do the Argentinian okay. Welsh. I don't know why. It's just series not exciting. Okay, well, I think the ABs. I think they'll they'll ramp it up again. Um, it won't be a fifty pointer. Not fifty points. Nah, there's no no. But they'll. Uh, I think the French have got some some fight of them in them yet. And so yeah, it will be a twenty pointer. You get all that, Alice? Yeah. Yeah. Noted. Are you, are you happy with those predictions? 
Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So you hold on to tasks. It's supposed to put money on this. So every time he gets one wrong, you earn off the deal. You Am I money. meant to be putting money on? No, no, he is. He's got to put his oh, money right. where his mouth is. So, you know, we know, you know, you've, you've got to make on this deal. I mean, you're basically here unpaid. Yeah. I know, it's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I got a half a chocolate croissant before. Did you? That you brought in. Thanks, oh, thanks brought for that. Did you? Yeah. Oh. What did you bring? Yourself. There's hammering going on. It's maybe a good time to get out of the studio. There's a, we're in a construction site, brand new studio for the uh, short ball today. So um, how did you find the desk? I found it quite nice. Yeah, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Even the smell of new timber. Boy, yeah. It's good, good, eh? That'll do for the short ball. Get into some test match footy this weekend, folks. Rugbypass.com, your destination. Catch up.